Hi, I'm Holden Sherman from Miles of Sports Podcast, and today, in episode 8 of my podcast, I'm going to talk about the winners and losers of the first week of NBA free agency. The first team that I thought did very well in free agency was the Miami Heat. They upgraded tremendously in many positions. The first major acquisition that they made was getting Kyle Lowry for three years and $85 million in a sign-and-trade, only giving up Goran Dragic and Precious Achua. Goran Dragic was on an expiring deal, and ever since the NBA bubble, he did not have the same exact impact he had um, during that time, and he was destined to leave due to cap um, cap relief to make this trade work, and I know they gave up Precious Achua, but he would have been a backup center for them. And I don't, I don't think that was the biggest uh, deal in the world. He was only the 23rd pick last year. And, you know, he brought great energy and great defense and uh, was a really young prospect and player. He is not necessarily a win now player. And I think it's okay that they, they gave him up. And in compensation for losing Precious Achua, they made up for it as they got one of, in my opinion, one of the best free agency signings, um, PJ Tucker for two years and 15 million, you know, P.J. Tucker is someone who I find always so interesting because his value has gone up as his career went on. I remember he, he used to play overseas for a long time, and then I remember the first time he was really a big deal was in 2016-17 when he got traded to the Raptors, um, where I think he started his career at the trade deadline, and it was a really big deal because um, him and Serge Ibaka on that team gave them a lot of floor spacing and defense, and obviously they lost to um, LeBron James and the Cavs that year, but you know PJ Tucker. Ever since then, you know he played center last year with the Rockets in the bubble. Um, he was part of that Rockets team that was a game away from the finals. PJ Tucker has got a lot of value, and you know now he's an NBA champion and he's been he's been through it all. He he's a true veteran, and I think you know even with his old age, he he's I think turning 37 next year. I think he'll still be really valuable and really 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 productive because he knows his role and his game doesn't really rely on athleticism. It's very, um, very predicated towards him being very physical and being really sharp mentally. And he's both of those things. And that's been proven as recently as a month, less than a month ago when the Bucks won uh, the NBA finals. And he was a big part of it as a starter. Uh, the next thing that the Heat did, which I really loved, was re-signing Duncan Robinson. And, you know, this was a no-brainer for the Heat. It was just a matter of, like, making the money work and stuff like that. And they did. They got him for five years, $90 million. Um, He's a valuable floor spacer. You know, you've got a lineup of Kyle Lowry who can really play make for others. Jimmy Butler can really play make for others. He had two triple-doubles, if as we all remember, in the NBA Finals. Bam Adebayo is known for being one of the better playmaking big mans up there with Nikola Jokic and uh, Joel Embiid. And, you know, I think that really – is going to help them a lot that he's there long-term. So they don't have to have that burden on their shoulder that, you know, what what's going to happen with Duncan and stuff like that. I think they got him on a great deal. I think that even though he had a, he had a down year, he's still a valuable floor spacer. He still shot over 40% from three. And I don't think you can really overpay for elite three-point shooting. And that's what Duncan Robinson is. Um, you know, you can't leave him open. And that gives the ability for Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry to create more. Uh, when they're on the court with him. And, you know, you always got to watch for Duncan Robinson off ball. He's, he's great without the ball. And he can, he's got really good range too. Not only is he a spot up shooter, he, he doesn't dribble that much off the dribble, but he he's really good from, from range. And I think he's just such an important piece for them. If they didn't have him, I would not view the Miami heat in the same way that I do. And I think that Duncan Robinson being there 
along with Victor Oladipo re-signing him. And uh, there's questions about Victor Oladipo's health next year and, um, and when he'll be ready. But I think it, it gives them a nice balance as Oladipo can also be a, maybe a playmaking scorer off the bench to kind of compensate for their loss of Kendrick Nunn. And then I something that I also really liked that they did, and it went under the radar, was re-signed Dwayne Dedman. Dedman played for them. I think he got signed in April um, for them. You know, he gave them, I think, seven boards and five and a half rebounds a game. Uh, for the rest of the season when he was signed. And I just thought he was a good piece. I mean, again, I guess a compensation for losing Precious Achua. Um, he gives them good size. He's an NBA vet. He's played on the Spurs before, and he was there for 2016-17 when the Spurs uh, made the conference finals. Deadman's a really just nice veteran, and um, I-, I possibly expect his three-point shot to get better um, because he shot 20% from three, and that's – something that he usually doesn't do. He's usually a better three-point shooter. I think that's because he was not um, playing until late, so late in the year, and the Hawks did not make the NBA bubble, so he had not played uh, professional basketball for over a year um, in the NBA. So I think that Deadman was just a great re-signing. The next team that I thought did really well, and I think this isn't really a debate, it's just a matter of will these pieces work, is the Chicago Bulls. You know, we talk about how um, Damian Lillard, uh, needs more help and stuff like that. And I agree with that. Um, it's just always a question of whether or not the Blazers are going to get that help for him, how they're going to get that help for him. The Chicago Bulls saw that Zach Levine wants more respect. Um, when he gets contract extension, as it seems like him and the Bulls will be making progress towards that and he'll sign a big deal soon. But the Bulls totally showed Zach Levine, their by far best player, that they're very committed to winning. Right as 6 o'clock struck on Monday last week, Lonzo Ball was already a Chicago Bull. Um, And then very soon after, a day or two later, DeMar DeRozan is now a Chicago Bull. They got Alex Caruso, too, another nice veteran who's an NBA champion and played a significant part in why the Lakers became um, champions last year in the bubble. And, you know, I like their team because they've got a really, really, really nice balance of young players who still have a lot of potential and also win-now veterans. DeMar DeRozan, yes, I know the Raptors underperformed a lot, but he's been in a lot of big games and a lot of big situations. Um, Nikola Vucevic has been a vet in this league for such a long time, and he's been getting even better as he's made two All-Star games in his career, and they've been in the last uh, two, and they've been in two of the last three years. And, you know, Levine had his best season ever last year, and if it wasn't for COVID, he would have played even more games and would have been um, even better because he would have been uh, playing more. And, you know, I think the Bulls are really, really, really in a good spot. Yes, they did lose all their draft, a lot of their draft picks. They gave up two in the Vucevic trade, which in this year's draft turned into Franz Wagner with the eighth pick. And they did give up one to the San Antonio Spurs. But, you know, I don't think the Bulls think that they're going to win the championship or something like that. But the Bulls have not made the playoffs since 2016-17. And they have not ever been the same since Derrick Rose Rose left them and um, helped them propel them to um, the conference finals versus LeBron James all the way back in 2010-11. So I thought this signing was really good for the Bulls. And, you know, who knows? I know they love Patrick Williams, and I liked what I saw from Patrick Williams too last year. Who knows? Maybe players like White and and Williams turn out really well, and that gives them even more trade assets. Who knows what they can get? You know, no one thought a year ago James Harden would be on the Brooklyn Nets. 
I'm not saying something like that's going to happen because the Bulls don't have any draft capital. But, you know, you never know with what's going to happen what's going to open up. So I like the balance with the Bulls have. And, you know, that brings me to the next team I want to talk about, um, which is the Los Angeles Lakers. A lot of people are saying, oh, the Lakers are too old. Oh, the Lakers don't have this. Oh, the Lakers don't have that. I love the players they added. They're all very skilled at what they do. Kent Bazemore is a true veteran. He played three in He's played the 3 and D role on all his teams for such a long time, and he played some really important games and started really important games last year for the Golden State Warriors, including their playing game last year. Trevor Ariza, you know, he started for the Heat last year in the playoffs, and um, he came back after his hiatus from being away from the league, uh, his, like, year break after the he did not play in the bubble and he did not play for the Thunder, and he looked really good. I think he averaged, like, 9.5 points or something like that. He needed some really good good stints. Uh, Carmelo Anthony, for what he's going to be, which is a floor spacer, will be perfect. The The Lakers have questions, and, and that's okay if you're a great team. Most, almost all great teams have questions. The Warriors got one. It's, it's health. The Nets have one. It's defense and it's health, and that's why the Nets didn't win last year, in my opinion. It's because of health. You know, the Lakers, Lakers got question marks. I love Dwight Howard signing because that helps emulate the winning culture that they had Less than a year ago when they won in the bubble, as Dwight was a main factor of it. He started playoff games for them. Um, they re-signed Taylor Hurden Tucker, um, and they got Alex Caruso. Um, even even though Alex Caruso left, um, they were able to also sign Malik Monk and Kendrick Nunn. And I'll get to Wayne Ellington in a second because I thought he was a really important piece too. But everyone's talking about how the Lakers are a really old team, and I get that. But, you know, they signed THT, Monk, and Nunn. And those players give them young um, young players on the team who will contribute. Monk has the ability to score 10 points in a quarter, which is a lot. And in a playoff game, that could be a difference in a, in a game where, let's say, LeBron, Westbrook, and AD are not having the best things, games they could. You know, that can make a difference. Taylor Horton Tucker, has. I saw some stats saying that he's got the best per 75 possession stats um, ever for like a 20, 20 21-year-old um, except for like Magic Johnson and Luka Doncic or some really great players. Taylor Horton Tucker has got a lot of potential. And, you know, they were they used that the fact that they had Taylor Horton Tucker's bird rights because he was a restricted free agent, and they got him back. Now I want to talk about Wayne Ellington. Wayne Ellington, to me, will probably go in and be the Lakers' starting shooting guard next year, and he's really important to them. He's going to give them unlimited floor spacing um, as, you know, a question is, how is the spacing going to work? Anthony Davis said it off year from three. LeBron's a good shooter, but he's not some Kevin Durant type shooter, usually, even though he can get really hot. And he's not someone you go to to be like, you know, he's he's your sharp shooter on your team. Westbrook's not a very good shooter. So Wayne Ellington is perfect. He's almost like the Duncan Robinson role um, for for the, the Lakers. He's going to give the Lakers um, great balance and give – more comfort to Westbrook, James, and Davis when they're on the floor together. Kind of like the Bulls, though, overall. I think that the um, I think that the Lakers have a great contrast of young players who are going to contribute and possibly get better over time and ready-to-win-now players. Okay, now on to losers of free agency. The first team that I thought did really horrible in the first week of free agency is the Portland Trailblazers. And no, I know they had no cap space. I didn't necessarily expect them to go out and do uh, a big move 
um, in free agency signing wise because they don't have the cap space. They had to re-sign Norman Powell, and yay, I guess they did that. I don't think that like if they didn't do that, that would have been bad. They had to do that. It wasn't wasn't something that you know they should get a reward for doing. Um, he they traded Gary Trent away for him um, because they didn't want to pay Gary Trent or they didn't feel a certain way about Gary Trent and they traded that from Norman Powell. So they had to resign Norman Powell. You, you can't just give away a player like Gary Trent. Um, but what I didn't like is I was talking about it with the Chicago Bulls earlier. The Bulls gave Zach Levine help. They showed that they're to their best player who's been in trade rumors, by the way, it's not like Zach Levine um, has said he's the happiest person ever in this, uh, as a star for an all-star. I mean, you know, when someone says that they want respect, probably shows that, you know, they, they want something or they're not fully satisfied. So it's not like they're uncomparable situations. I think how Dame feels and how Levine feels are probably quite similar. And, you know, I'm just speculating or analyzing. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe they've talked about their situation before as they were just on the Olympic USA team that just won gold in, in Tokyo. So I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. But that's just me speculating. There's no substance in that. The Portland Trailblazers need to go out and make a trade. I don't know if that consists of trading away C.J. McCollum or trading away Yusuf Nurkic, but, you know, they didn't do themselves any favors in this first week. They let Zach Collins go, and I'm not a big fan of Zach Collins. I think he was um, very overrated in the bubble last year, but I think that was more just about, you know, people just trying to make the Blazers look good so it could look like they could maybe beat the Lakers because there's a lot of LeBron James haters out there, but I don't know. It, it seems like some people really like Zach Collins, and they just let him walk to the San Antonio Spurs and didn't get anything back. Yay, they got Tony Snell. Yay, they got Cody Seller. Like, those aren't those aren't game-changing moves. But, you know, they do have all their picks. I know they didn't have their pick this year, but they have all their picks going forward. They they should try to go out and trade for a Pascal Siakam or some, 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 some player that could really help them right away. Um, I think they need to do that. Like the Bulls show that even without cap space, they found a way to improve their team. You know, the Wizards wanted Spencer Dinwiddie and they didn't have the ability in the cap. So you know what they did? They did a sign and trade. A lot of teams, the, the, the Heat, they didn't have the ability to, they didn't want to sign Kyle Lowry outright. So you know what they did? They did a sign and trade. You know, teams don't need cap space or a bunch of assets to always make things happen. No one seems really enticed to go to Portland. And, you know, if I'm Damian Lillard looking at this, I can go up to Neil O'Shea, the, the GM of the Portland Trailblazers, and say to him, what did you do to help me? What did you do to entice me to stay? I just had one of the best playoff performances ever. I had a 55-point game. And the other team didn't have their second-best player in Jamal Murray because he tore his ACL. And Will Barton was out all of that series. And the Blazers lost, and it wasn't because of Lillard. It was because of the players around him. And I actually don't think they should trade C.J. McCollum, but I don't think they need to. I think they have assets. I really do. I think you can trade Norman Powell still. I think you can trade Yusuf Nurkic. I think you can trade Nasir Little. Like, I think they have assets. But, you know, they haven't done anything yet. They also have Anthony Simmons, who, given another opportunity, could be an even better player. You know, he's shown glimpses. I mean, I know we won the dunk contest. That doesn't mean anything, of course. But, you know... He's shown glimpses of being a really good player, um, and he's a really good athlete. But, you know, the Blazers have their picks, too. I don't know what's holding them up. They need to make a trade. 
when I'm recording this podcast episode, there was rumors today, um, August 9th, 2021, you know, Pascal Siakam is not untouchable. Like I said earlier, go get him. Why not? Ben Simmons, you know, maybe you throw them a bunch of picks. It seems like the Sixers, all they want is just a bunch of picks and maybe a couple good young players. You know, who knows? But, you know, if I'm Damian Lillard looking at this, I'm not very happy. I'm, I'm really frustrated and disgruntled. They, the Blazers didn't do anything to improve. That same team next year, when Klay Thompson comes back healthy, when Jamal Murray's back by, let's say, February, being optimistic and pessimistic, let's say, the playoffs, um, you know, Phoenix retooling, got Landry Shamit, um, re-signed all their players, Aiton will be a year better, Bridges will be a year better, Devin Booker will be a year better, um, you know, the Lakers becoming much better, Kawhi Leonard maybe come back, back by the playoffs, um, the Jazz getting Rudy Gay. If I'm if I'm the Blazers, what are you doing? You know, you're basically saying to Dame, we're going to commit to a rebuild if you, if you do this. And, you know, if they do that, they might not be that relevant because, you know, Lillard makes them one of the most fascinating teams in the league. And without him and, you know, having Lillard disgruntled will not help them. So maybe they're signaling something to us that, you know, they're committing to a rebuild. We, we will see. Time will only tell. The next team I want to talk about is the Minnesota Timberwolves. And they didn't have any pick this year. So they needed to be really aggressive in free agency. And instead, you hear nothing from them. They got Torian Prince. They let, let go of Ricky Rubio in that trade. What do they do to improve defensively? I heard a lot of rumblings about possibly getting P.J. Tucker, stuff like that. That never happened. You know, apparently they were close to getting Alex Caruso and Marcus Gasol. That never happened. Caruso would have been a great defender for him. He probably would have come off the bench. I mean... He would have. I mean, I don't think Malik Beasley or D'Angelo Russell would come off the bench again next year. But, you know, and Anthony Edwards will probably play small, uh, small forward. But, you know, they didn't do anything to improve. And, like, there were opportunities. You're telling me you couldn't, couldn't have tried harder and push, push the needle and getting John Collins? I'm not saying you have to go get him. I'm just saying you got to show some ambition and aggression. And, yeah, the Wolves did look really good in the second half of the year. They they beat the the Golden State Warriors at home. Oh, well, they were at home and beat the Golden State Warriors there. It's one of the games I remember that they won. And I think they won a couple other pretty good games uh, against some solid teams in the end of the year. But, you know, the defense is a question. And I'd like Torian Prince as a scorer off the bench, but he's nothing special. What did they really do? I don't think standing pat, at least defensively, will really help them. The offense I've got no worries about. They have Towns, who's a top three center, no matter what anyone says, just because he's not um, as talked about as other people. Behind Jokic and Embiid, he's the best center in, in the league. And I, I have no doubts about saying that. You know, D'Angelo Russell, great scorer. Um, and he was good after his injury. Anthony Edwards, holy moly. 19 points a game, played all 72 as a rookie. That's really good. Beasley's got questions because, you know, either with uh, his suspensions, and I think he had an injury last year, He's sometimes in and out of the lineup, but, you know, he's really good, too. I just – and Jaden McDaniels is really good, too. But, you know, like, they need some defense, and they didn't do anything to really improve that. Um, we'll see. Maybe players come available in the buyout market or something like that. But um, I know this doesn't help defensively, but, like, what if they got Kevin Love for floor spacing at the four? That would be kind of interesting. But, again, you still have no defense. I don't think that would really help them. But, you know, they didn't really do anything to, to help them 
how help them get better. I I think defensively is really their issue. And the last winner that the loser, excuse me, that I want to talk about from free agency is Dennis Schroeder. So many point guards got paid this offseason. Spencer Dinwiddie got paid, and he's coming off a torn ACL. His second of his career, a second since college. I think he tore it at Colorado too. No, he did. Um, Kyle Lowry got paid. Kyle Lowry's, I think, going to be 35, uh, 36 next year. He got $28.5 million a year. Chris Paul got $30 million. Um, uh, Reggie Jackson got $11 million a year. Dennis Schroeder is still not signed. And, you know, what I'm hearing about is possibly that, you know, oh, maybe he'll go to Boston. To be honest, I, I kind of like him best um, in Denver just because he can start for a long time. I feel like it's a guaranteed starting spot until Murray comes back. I, I kind of got questions about, you know, like Peyton Pritchard played kind of well last year for them. And, you know, Marcus Smart might play a lot of that point guard spot. So there's I have questions about, you know, how much he, he'd play there. And, you know, Dallas just basically said, we don't want Schroeder. We have a need at point guard, but, you know, we don't want him at all. And I, I don't even disagree with it. I don't, I don't think he necessarily fits Luca the best. He's not the best three-point shooter in the world. Um, and Jalen Brunson is a really, really, really good player. And he's really young too. But, you know, Schroeder rejected this contract he got, uh, extension he got from the Lakers um, back in, I back in like February or March or something like that for $84 million over four years, making $21 million a year. He just rejected it. And, you know, it's really coming back to bite him. Um, and it's, it's not a fortunate thing. I think that, you know, if I was Schroeder, I do a Kemba Walker thing, but I don't think Kemba Walker was necessarily a loser in this situation because he got his contract bought out and he was making over $40 million and he's a guaranteed starter next year in New York. Um, and the, the Knicks look really good next year. I think they did a, a lot to improve. Um, but, um, I, I digress. If, if I'm Schroeder, I'm, I'm looking at this being like, you know, I really missed an opportunity. And if I'm the Lakers too, I'm really thanking Dennis Schroeder. Because without Dennis Schroeder, um, with Dennis Schroeder rejecting that contract extension, this made the Russell Westbrook trade easier, um, and it really cleared a lot of things up for them. So, you know, I think Dennis Schroeder is by far one of the biggest losers of this free agency. And as uh, this recording is going on, Dennis Schroeder is still not signed to a team. I'm Holden Sherman from Miles of Sports Podcast. This wraps up my episode of Winners and Losers of NBA Free Agency. See you next time on Mile Number 9.